Hello there. You're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We'll also be doing a review of the latest entry in the MCU and the start of Phase 5. It's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. start with some news warner brothers discovery plans to release new lord of the rings movies set in the world of middle earth but that is all we know at this point dylan what are your thoughts dislike boo leave it alone (laughs) cut it off i agree they should leave it alone just invest in a new property Invest create a new franchise. Invest in adaptations of Brandon Sanderson novels. There you also go. Also true. That'd be a great idea. You can make a whole universe out of it. A whole cinematic universe out of Brandon Sanderson novels. You can make That's a whole true. television universe out of Brandon Sanderson novels. It'd be great. Yeah, I don't know why they're not going that route. Or adapting any of the other many many fantasy franchises that have yet to be brought to the big screen i mean obviously they're doing it because it's a huge franchise and well known but they just like they just like guarantee numbers they don't like to take risks that's true but again it's like this this may bring some people into theaters but it's still going to require you to have a quality piece of film and Very true. If you, if as we've seen from Rings of Power, how that wasn't a direct adaptation of a book, they were sort of building off of the world that was established, but they had to create a new story line, really, um, and fill in the gaps of what Tolkien had created. It was not as popular or well received as those original movies. Did you watch I mean, it, Ryan? No. Did you? Me neither. No. <laughs> I love how we were both, when we did our Lord of the Rings episode, we were both like so hyped and in the world. We we're like, yeah, you know what? We may give it a try. We may watch Rings of Power just to be in the world some more. But then neither of us did it, which is, I mean, I mean that tells you a lot. came out and just dampered all of my desires completely. Yeah, mine too. And House of the Dragon was going on at the same time. So oh, yeah. I, need to I had a better that. fantasy alternative. You do need to finish that and get on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great world, but like I just don't know how you can beat out that trilogy. I mean, it's just kind of untouchable. Even The Hobbit, which you had three films. I mean, it was a bad decision to split them up into three, but still, you're adapting that story with the same filmmaker, Peter Jackson, at the helm, and yet that was nowhere near as good. So what hope do you have if you're going to create an entirely new storyline set in the same world? You're probably not going to get Peter Jackson back unless he's got like a death wish or something. But I don't know if he'd want to put himself through that again. Mm -hmm. No, probably not. It just seems like one of those things where it's like, oh, what's a franchise we have that we haven't put out a movie for in a while? Oh, Lord of the Rings. Let's go with that. Yeah. But it's like they gave up on uh, Harry Potter and uh, they're like, I guess we can pick up Lord of the Rings again. Well, they're (laughs) 
they're desperately trying to figure out what they can do to get the main cast, the OG three back and do a Harry Potter, Harry Potter sequel. Cause yeah, mm. the prequel thing is done, but <laughs> they're going to have to try and navigate bringing them back. But then That'd also funny. dealing with how do we fit JK Rowling into it with all the controversy going on with her? Just probably not. Probably just don't. Well, that's what I'm anticipating too. But I mean, she was the screenwriter for those fantastic beasts. Yeah, films. she was. And she so, was dog shit at it. Absolutely. So she'll like, will she be smart enough to be like, okay, I will not be involved in any creative sense with the sequel films. I'll now just, maybe she gets a producer role or maybe she steps back entirely. Um, but yeah, yeah, that'll be something they have to work out. Although of course, Warner brothers, yeah. no stranger to controversy with their creatives and trying yeah. to continue. It's with funny. Franchises. It's funny that that came back because yesterday or came up today. Cause yesterday I was watching a, like a 15 minute YouTube video about those Harry Potter prequels and, and why JK Rowling was so dog shit at writing them. Mm-hmm. And then, and then that tied into the star Wars prequels and how George Lucas didn't give up control and, and sought to complete those throughout. And it's been known pretty well that George Lucas is not the greatest at writing like movies. Yeah. He's a great idea, man, for yeah. sure. But, in terms of like polishing out a screenplay, writing, yeah, he's it's not like the scene to scene writing, yeah, like mm. lines of dialogue, that sort of stuff, building up tension and stakes within a scene. It's just mm. he's not there. But overall, like crafting a world, I mean, he can do it. So can J.K. Rowling, the greatest of all time. Yeah, and so it was an interesting well. comparison so, to see. It is, it is. So yeah, she might need to take that route of like with the Star Wars sequels. They'll just pass it off to a new batch of creatives and then hopefully they'll be smarter than what they did with the star wars sequels and oh man i would have so. a plan from the beginning of the trilogy mm-hmm. instead of yeah just figuring out as they go yeah. but i mean yeah it's warner brothers they got lord of the rings so they're tapping into that franchise and then it's harry potter and i'm yeah. sure sometime soon they're gonna try and make it happen probably going back to lord of the rings have you heard carlos and Issa's story about how they watched lord of the rings and they fell asleep or they walked in like 30 minutes late what was it both it was uh it was they walked into return of the king like an hour late hadn't seen the first two (laughs) movies hadn't seen the first hour of return of the king carlos fell asleep and then Issa just didn't get it and so they weren't moved by the ending of the whole series so they watched she watched the entire finale of lord of the rings and just didn't get it and didn't care because she didn't watch the first two movies and carlos was just asleep I just don't understand why. I don't understand why either. Like, there was no reason you didn't have to go in and see it, especially if it's an hour late. Like, what are you doing yeah. at that point? What film ever do you go in an hour late, but let alone the end of a trilogy that you yeah. know is very good and also is like intended to be seen as a whole. Like, it's not three separate films. It's like, it is just one big story. Yeah. It's about they time they actually up. watched it start to finish properly. For real. We'll make that happen. Oh, I'm going to go see Casablanca in two days. I forgot. They're showing that in theaters. Oh, my gosh. Are you going to come? I love Casablanca. I think I saw that. I hate that they do it just like the one day thing. And it's on like. Well, it's two days. It's the fifth and the eighth. I'm going on the fifth. That is very strange to not have them be (laughs) consecutive. But even that, it's like just give it for a whole weekend and then maybe play it for a week. Especially if, I don't know, there's like. There's like nothing out right now. Yeah, there's things that they could take off. I mean, there's movies that are out right now that re-releases would make more money than. And so financially, (laughs) it would make more sense to just like, oh, here's Indiana Jones. Like, I feel like 
feel like there's plenty of times where like you could just market a re-release and you would make more money as a theater than if you were to show a man called Otto in its fifth week, you know? <laughs> right. Maybe. I feel like, I feel like just putting out like a re-release of like Indiana Jones or like Star Wars or just an old movie. Right. But, but I do like it when, they, again. when it has a purpose of like, it's I like it when it has a purpose too, but yeah, some other film coming out, but I do want to go see that. So we'll talk about that because Casablanca. Oh, so good. It is. Rushmore. I mean, it's just it's it's one of the best. Beautiful for sure. OK, now moving on from that to the Marvels, which <laughs> we'll see if that can be even in the top 25 of Marvel films. But it mm. has been delayed. From July, late July to November 10th. 2023 so again that's not inspiring a lot of confidence if they're delaying it once again this has like been i think the third overall delay for the marvels so yeah it doesn't doesn't seem like it'll be a huge smash hit but what do you think dylan about this delay i think it's a benefit Mm -hmm. i think any any big budget movie delay at this point that isn't in our roster is a benefit because now it, it, it gives us the ability to pick it up later. If we really want to, it gives us more of an opportunity to pick it up later for our box office draft in terms of how much money it's going to make. It's not going to make much money either way. I mean, comparatively, at least it'll make probably 500, 600 million, maybe mm-hmm. is my guess. But, uh, comparatively to like what fast X will do. Like, yeah, very true. So, yeah, we'll have to see how that shakes out. But as they do, possibly another round of reshoots to retool that film and improve it. And we get closer to that date of November 10th. We'll see if maybe I'm assuming it does end I had up in guess, one of our rosters. If I had to guess, it's not just reshoots. I would say they probably also want to work on the VFX a little more, considering the hits they took critically with Ant-Man. That too, which would be probably wise. Yeah, putting in a little extra money to tool it out to make it look as good as possible. Cause they've taken hits on Thor on Ant-Man on what other, a couple of the TV shows like put in the time, man. Very true. Very true. Okay. After that succession, one of your beloved shows, it is ending with season four, the upcoming season. So sad. So sad. I mean, the trailer is incredible and I'm so pumped. I am so pumped for it to start. I will be watching it as it comes out. I swear to God. This is one of the... Now that it's the final season, biggest hype of the year, television-wise, for sure. Biggest hype. It's this. It's Ted Lasso Season 3. And then I think if Barry comes back this year, probably Barry. Other than that, everything else is trash, garbage. Don't care (laughs) about it. I am so pumped for Succession. I mean, Season 3, the ending... Oh my God, Ryan. It is fantastic. It is mm-hmm. it is Shakespearean and hilarious and oh my god. Just so perfect. You need to start watching it so you can watch season four as it comes out. I will. I'm now that it's the final season, I will be able to fully yes. go through it. Yes. So that was, I mean, that was always the plan is whenever it finishes out, that's when I'll start my watch so that I can line it up with when the finale airs. I can Watch it in real time, and then we'll do a show on it. It's about time. As promised, we'll get that succession episode. I mean, it's just so much fun. I'm going to start rewatching it, too, honestly, in preparation. 
I really should because I I don't remember much. It's been a long time since I watched it. Well, there you but go. God. No better time. Oh, so good. And then finally, last bit of news: Mandalorian season three has just premiered. Did you know that, Dylan? And did you? Watch I did it? know it, and I did not watch it yet. I've been. I'm up to date on The Last of Us, and I'm going to keep up to date on The Mandalorian, but I'm probably I haven't been watching The Last of Us the day they premiere. I've been like behind a little bit, so I'll watch it a few days after it comes out, or I'll watch Mandalorian a few days after it comes out. I might watch Mandalorian after we record this, after I make dinner. But uh, I'll keep up with it. I am hyped a little for Mandalorian. Not as much as The Last of Us, which is very, very good. I'm very excited mm-hmm. for the next episode. Very, very good. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, what else is going on TV wise? I mean, much. not much. That's it, really. Yeah, not so much. That's the Mandalorian. I will so, say, what's that? I will say, TV wise, HBO is having a renaissance. They, they are fucking killing it. My God, they are my. I mean, HBO Max is now just a delight once again. Mm-hmm. They are back at it again. I mean, for a while, for years, it was just Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, that was it. Because they had that era of, like, what was it? It was Boardwalk Empire, The Wire, uh, Sopranos, uh, Deadwood, shows like that. And then Game mm-hmm. of Thrones came on, and they took over their HBO TV game. Like, everybody tuned in HBO to watch Game of Thrones. They didn't really need much else. And then Game of Thrones ended. And there was, like, a year where HBO didn't have jack shit. And now they have Barry, Succession, uh... The, the House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, Euphoria, I mean, there, Euphoria, White Lotus. Lotus. Oh my God. Just fucking killing it. Right they back. Really are. Right back yeah. at the top of the game. Ooh. You can't beat HBO in terms of TV programming. You just fucking can't. You can't. Oh, Westworld been... came out a while ago. True. It's not good anymore, but. Yeah, but the when that first season out, is. Amazing. I got Alexa to watch the first season of Westworld. Did she like it? She loved it. There you go. It was great. She has she no interest continue? in watching the other. No, oh. she has no interest in watching it because I told her it wasn't good. She said, if it's not as good as the first season, I don't want to watch anymore. And I said, then don't watch anymore. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, the first good. season is self-contained. It's a story and it ends. Yeah. I mean, they. it's definitely one where you can just watch that and then unplug from the rest of it and you lose nothing. And then honestly, I mean, at that point, since they don't finish the entire series, you would just get left... On like exactly. whatever cliffhanger they had for season exactly. four. So it's better to leave on season one now. That's Speaking of finishing off the seasons, I mean, Succession season four, going back to that real quick, I'm nervous. Because it, it nervous. was not the original plan for season four to be the finale. And I think the creator, Jesse Armstrong, was like, I think we could finish it up this time. So it's his decision to end it now, which is respectable. But the way season three ended, it didn't seem like they were gearing up for this to be the final season. Hmm. Like, it didn't seem like that's what they were setting up. So they have to do, they have to cover a lot of ground in 10 episodes to get to where they left off in season three to a legitimate, satisfying conclusion at the end of season four. It can be done, but it's going to be tricky. I'm very excited, though. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be able to pull it off. If they decided this is where it needs to end, then they'll figure out a way to make it all tie together, hopefully. Yeah. But They've we'll won definitely... too many awards now. You know, their shows are getting a little a little wary from all the awards they're holding. <laughs> it's getting heavy from yeah, all the yeah. gold sitting on those shelves. So they said, it's you know what? 
Throw in yeah. the towel. We'll just. We'll so, man, a... I'm worried about this shelf falling down. I guess we should stop it now. If we go too far, I'm going to have to build a second shelf. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see how, how it all wraps up. Although it is a better problem, I think, to have, like, too much stuff that you got to fit into 10 episodes than to have nothing at all. And then you're yeah. just making filler. It's definitely it's better, better to, to call it quits on a show early than to try and extend it longer. That too. I would say. I mean, look at Breaking Bad could definitely have gone on for seven or eight seasons if they really wanted it to, or like Gravity Falls could have gone on a lot longer. I mean, yeah, it seems just every to wrap up a show early is, a, is has always been a good call in the past. It's true. Yeah, like season three to five is like the sweet spot of bidding farewell to a show and making I sure agree. that it remains high quality. I but agree. okay. Let us now move into a discussion of the box office. We're going to do our box office breakdown for February 24th, 2026. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in its second weekend made $32 million. It made $106 million in its opening. We weren't able to report on that last week, but that is in fact what it made. So it did get three digits in its opening, which was good. However, the second weekend drop was steep. Oh yeah, seventy percent. That's horrible. It is. So it's the officially the biggest drop in the MCU. Now, do keep in mind a lot of the Phase Four films have been dropping at like sixty eight percent. No Way Home, Doctor Strange. Uh, I think Black Panther didn't fall under that, but I think Thor did. So mm-hmm. a lot of these recent outings have been pretty major drops because Marvel's yeah. front loaded. However, sure. these are pretty. Those steep. those were films that opened at. 253 million, 180 million, 170 million. This opened at 106 million, and it had a bigger drop than those. Yeah, and not that, good. That is a big issue. <laughs> and it's now at 370 million worldwide. So, Dylan, this is one of the films on your roster. This is the first film from either of our rosters that we had in the draft that has been released. Looking at it now, where it's sitting at, how are you feeling about its prospects? Where do you think it's going to end up? I'm going to see this as good and bad news. Okay. It's it's bad news because this sucks for my draft. You know, <laughs> yes, it's a bad picks. It's gonna it's gonna end up pretty low. This was the random pick, so at the very least, I didn't pick it. The the <laughs> stupid computer picked it. That is true. Uh, so it's definitely disappointing. Not looking forward to where it ends up. Probably not going to go higher than five fifty. Probably. Mm-hmm. So not not looking great. In fact, looking pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> yes. The good news is, anytime Marvel takes a hit, I'm doing a little bit better. I mean, <laughs> it just means you said it's a personal victory to see it is Marvel a personal victory fail because no matter what, I mean, it just shows that superhero fatigue is real. And it is going on right now. I mean, we are getting sick. We, we the substandard, the the lowered standards is not enough anymore. We are trying. We need to raise our standards for superhero products. We it's no longer fun to just watch the overall story and how it connects. We now need good, entertaining stories to keep us going, and that's harder to come by if you're going to make so many products. So maybe choose quality over quantity, Marvel, or just stop altogether. Just kill all the characters and just end it. Call it a day. You had a good run. You made a lot of money. There you go. It's done. Wow. There you go. 
So five fifty million is where you're anticipating this might end up. Probably that would definitely yeah. be rough. I think our initial estimates we were talking it could get close to seven hundred million, but yeah, that is a yeah, pipe dream. Now it's trying disastrous. to get it's trying to get to five hundred million. That'll be its yeah. victory if it can do that. Which that is crazy. Because the first Ant Man made about that much. It made like five hundred twenty million. This is the third film supposed to have the big, you know, Avengers villain being introduced to the mass audience. And it made less than the first Ant-Man film. How is that possible? That is truly crazy. So, yeah, not the best start to your box office roster, but there's many more to come. So we'll see how they go. I'd rather have a weak start than a weak finish. I suppose that's true. And this is your one Marvel film, right? Assuming that the Marvels doesn't get added at some point. So there you go. This can maybe be the finalization of your divorce from Marvel. Yeah, maybe next box office draft, I won't pick any Marvel movies. Maybe that'll be my next rule. My next and only (laughs) rule is no Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. That'd be interesting. All right, so what else came out this weekend? Cocaine Bear. It made $23 million, which is a little more than I thought it would make. It was a really good outing for Cocaine Bear. I thought it was going to be in the teens, but mm-hmm. $23 million. Shout out to them. Yeah. Good After for them. that, Jesus Revolution with $15 million. Also, a big, like, big solid debut for this film out of nowhere. Good for them. And then somehow, still in the top four, Avatar The Way of Water, $4.8 million. Mm-hmm. And still in the top five, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, $4.1 million. Both of them just hanging in there, still raking in that money. And then honestly, somehow still in the top six, Magic Mike's Last Dance, $2.8 million. Well, like we said, it's been uh, slim pickings at the box right. office so far. So, yeah, Magic Mike still in there, 80 for Brady with $1.9 million. Knock at the Cabin with $1.8 million. <laughs> Missing, probably in its last time in the top ten, with $1 million. And it made $31 million domestic total, which is good for that film. That's got to be a profit. So, nice. Ryan, would you say that next week is probably uh, going to be gone, going to be uh, uh, longed for, maybe uh, missing, if you will, from our from our roster? Yeah? It sure will be. It sure will be. Nice. After that, A Man Called Otto, 850000 That is a $62 million domestic finish. Wow. <laughs> hey i mean that is a genuinely impressive uh yeah for a tom hanks for... drama that also isn't good yeah it's pretty good <laughs> did you see it no but alexa did and i i got a rundown of, of the story and uh it is not good it is uh tom hanks is is grouchy mm-hmm. the I end. Mean, yeah i saw that in the trailer and both my parents tried to get me to watch it at some point and i was like uh, oh, no I will it's not definitely a parent that. movie a parent movie like it hey, is you go see the new tom hanks flick yeah and the answer is like, no I'll pass. I will absolutely not go see that. Okay, now we have the box office predictions for this weekend, March 3rd to March 5th. The newest blockbuster to hit the scene, Creed 3. Dylan, what do you think this is going to get? $32 million. 32 Interesting. 
Uh, I'm going to go higher than that. I think this thing will get over 40 million. Wow. I think wow. it'll be a Big nice, numbers. yeah, solid hit, especially for a mid-budget film. I think it'll grow higher than the openings of the previous Creeds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's got and, uh, a really good reception, so I think it will be able good. to drive out the people to it. And now the other movie where Jonathan Majors is the antagonist and he beats up the protagonist. <laughs> Quantumania in his third weekend. Ryan, predictions. What do you think? What do you think he's going to get? What do you think? I'm thinking 13 million. I was thinking 15, dick. Maybe <laughs> give me a little credit here. Well, there we go. Maybe it'll be right in between there. But yeah, even 15 million, I mean, is it's kind of high. It's, yeah. it's kind of rough. Yeah. For them to drop to that. That's the optimistic view. It could, I mean, I think 13 million is a good thing. If it hits, I mean, it's got to get double digits. That would be insane. If it, if it doesn't get double digits, I will just call it then. <laughs> you win. That would be truly atrocious legs. But no, it should get, it should get 12 million. I think it'll be able to get there. And I'll say a solid 13. But okay. Now let us actually discuss the film itself rather than its abysmal box office prospects. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. So you, of course, are having... It's less of a love-hate relationship and increasingly a hate relationship, just Mm -hmm. flat-out hate relationship with superhero films in general and certainly with Marvel. So seeing this film, the start of Phase 5, uh uh-huh. what did you think well some initial impressions having seen all the movies in phase four been really disappointed with thor four and with uh what else came out uh fuck what there else was dr strange dr strange Panther, shang chi black widow right. shang chi black widow all those movies uh my expectations were very low because honestly thor four abysmal doctor strange not very good either i know you you and i fought about that but uh, i really did not like it at all and of course thor 4 was just the worst i just i can't stop saying that thor 4 was absolutely terrible thor 4 was Mm -hmm. really bad so going into this and hearing the uh all the criticisms that were levied against ant-man the wasp quantumania i was not looking forward to watching it i had been putting it off for over a week now mm-hmm. and really didn't even want to see it for this show, but we had nothing else to talk about at the time. So I was like, fuck it. I guess I will go at 1145 in the morning and watch Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in a theater with five other people. And I think having such lowered expectations, it honestly wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Wow. Not oh, as yeah. bad, <laughs> not great. A lot of criticisms I'm going to throw out there because I'm highly critical of MCU movies nowadays. If you're going to keep making them, at least make them good. And so I'm going to criticize you strongly for making them bad. This one, not great. Definitely on the lower end of the scale. Definitely my least favorite Mm Ant-Man. But not as bad as what I thought the critics were saying. Like the critics, if you look at the Metascore for this movie, and you compare it to the Metascore for all the other MCU movies, it doesn't make sense that this one is this low and other ones aren't. Right. I don't get it. Are they not paying the critics anymore? Are they not bribing them anymore? <laughs> is that what's happening? I don't know. It, it's been insane that like for up until what was it? 
Eternals. That was the yeah. other Phase Four. Wow, very forgettable that we couldn't even remember it. But that oh, was the other, right. the first one that got a rotten score. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Like as I said before, I mean, there's like Ant Man and the Wasp should have gotten a rotten score. Thor two should have gotten a rotten score. There was plenty that should have been a rotten score. Although I don't think Ant Man and the Wasp should have been rotten. I kind of like. I didn't it. like it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. But yeah. yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like all the criticisms being levied at this one and then ones like Thor 4, which didn't get rotten, is amazing. That is crazy. That is Black wild. Because I think Thor 4 didn't. and Black Widow are both tremendously worse movies than this one. Mm-hmm. Not even arguably, just facts. They are worse movies than this one. But uh, I had fun with it. I was able to turn my brain off and enjoy it a little bit. But there were times where I thought the action wasn't as tense as it could be. There were times where I thought the stakes were non-existent. There were times where, I don't know, I just felt like the editing and the way that they wrote the story, because in the beginning it is two stories going side by side, the way they Mm -hmm. interwove those stories, the cutting points were weird. It, so there were sure a lot of story issues. I think it's because they had a new writer. I mean, the other Ant-Man writers, including Paul Rudd, did not return to write this movie. It was a new guy. And uh, I think there was a lot of, if I had to guess, executive involvement in some of the decision-making for Peyton Reed, who I thought could have made a pretty good Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. I think he could have done it. I like Peyton Reed a lot. I think he's a good director. Mm-hmm. But, uh... I don't know. I was left certainly wanting more from this movie. Ryan, your spoiler-free impressions. So just to start at the outset, I I was wondering if you were going to come in really hot and just hate this film and be ragging on it like crazy. Because if you were going to do that, then I was going to come in at the other end of the spectrum and be like, I love this film. It's actually so good. The critics are wrong. But yeah, but you see more just like mixed and sort of detach from it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like you want to go on a huge, crazy rant. So I'll match that energy because my true opinions are... Actually, I do think it's bad, but... Well, you were going to lie and say it was great if I came in hot? Yes, I was going to be like, oh, you're wrong. Because I thought it'd be it'd make for good content. If we Fuck were the just content. You can't just lie. At each other's throats. Obviously, what would, would you have said to defend the movie? <laughs> Obviously, at the end, I would have came out with him and like, no, I actually think it sucks. For you my rating, this movie was terrible. <laughs> Worst MCU movie. This movie's horrible. Ryan, your take. I would have built it up and then at the rating give my true score. But how I was gonna go through it. Well, if you <laughs> if you highlight all the criticisms, I'll try and highlight all the all the things that are slightly well, good about it. Or I want to talk about the things that are slightly good because there forgiving. were things that I observed that I thought, okay. Well, let's talk like, about it. Here's a big plus. Paul okay. Rudd. He's oh very, yeah, he he fucking carried this movie. Yeah, absolutely. His shoulders so, must be hurting from how <laughs> heavy this movie was for him to carry. I know he's so charming, so endearing, so likable. This character of Scott Lang that he's been able to inhabit for each of these three films, it's just enjoyable. It yeah. is almost like ten years now. He's got that touch. That is also crazy. Um, but yeah, a whole Ant Man trilogy, and he's been far and away the best part of it. Oh, great for sure. revelation. Movie great story. casting, great performance. And even now, almost 10 years later, he's still carrying this film. Like, absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. 
another plus the and i guess we're going into spoiler territory now okay. so if you haven't seen it yet go in well <laughs> i don't think i'd actually recommend it i don't think dylan will either so i guess wait until disney plus yeah just wait till disney plus don't see don't it even all. give me numbers for my box office draft i don't care don't go see <laughs> it wait till pray wait for disney plus um but yeah my overall impressions are as i said it's not it's not it's mid. and i don't want to be slightly slightly lower than mid yeah and i don't want to be mean because making films at any level but certainly like a huge massive I can, production is difficult unlike unlike thor more, 4 unlike thor 4 i can feel an intention in the creative force behind mm-hmm. this movie that wanted to make something good and actually really cared about it and i could feel that they were just being held up by as a sort of lackluster script and probably some executive like interference i could tell that paul rudd still wanted to be a good ant-man i could tell that even the supporting actors were in it to be in it like really wanted to be in it and i could tell that peyton reed really wanted to create this wacky world in the quantum realm but i mm-hmm. don't think he was given enough freedom to do it in the same way that I don't think Sam Raimi was given enough freedom to explore the multiverse. And I don't think uh, there was, there was just so much potential. I don't think it matched up to what it could have been in the same way that Dr. Strange couldn't match up to what it could have been. Whereas Thor four, just zero potential from the get go, (laughs) bad, no care, clearly uninterested in making it clearly uninterested in the interference being given by the executives, clearly uninterested in any kind of cooperation. Made a bad product, disappointed, gross. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, for this one, I agree. It was well-intentioned, I think. And, you know, sometimes you just come up short, but it was not for lack of trying in this case. I just think it didn't come together and didn't, for me, at least work. For some people, I'm sure they probably heard the horrible ratings and go in and they had a fun time. Like That's definitely possible. Like you and I both enjoyed Black Adam. That's obviously riddled with issues. Barely. Not you enjoyed it more thing. than I did. I did. But I mean, that's one of those where I go in and I'm like, I'm just uh, going to turn the brain off and have some fun. And I was able to. For this film, it didn't quite work for me. I could see like they wanted to create that experience. I'm sure some people were able to get that out of it. But I think a little too many issues. And sadly, it wasn't able to reach the same heights that Ant-Man and Ant-Man the Wasp did in terms of enjoyability. So another talking about, you know, some of the positives, right? Lead off with what is good about it. I think in the quantum realm, they had a lot of interesting and inventive world building. Like that was where I could see a lot of the care uh, and also a lot of the major influences, Mm -hmm. certainly with Star Wars. I mean, from a lot of costuming to the whole like Mos Eisley Cantina type thing when they go to the bar. Like all that stuff was clearly a lot of love was being poured into it. And it was legitimately interesting. Like that sci-fi element of it was working for me. My problem was that they skated the surface of it and didn't Mm -hmm. go deeper into the world itself because they were so focused on pushing through this very exposition-y plot so that we could introduce Kang. Right. And that's majorly disappointing because there's so many interesting things the the moving and living buildings i think that's very fascinating the amoeba creatures that are flying around i think that's interesting and they just skate the surface with it it's like if in avatar they cut it by an hour and then the things they chose to cut were jake sully like exploring the world and interacting with the environment Mm -hmm. and only did the plot of 
the Navi getting killed. I guess all I thought the whole time was I was like, I would care more about the visual, even if visual effects were not as amazing as Avatar. I'd care more about the visual effects and the special effects creatures in the world if they spend more time exploring it. Mm-hmm. But I no, Kang, Kang was too much of a focus. I think they should have added... It was a short movie, right? It was only two hours? It was. They could have added 20 minutes of them like discovering new things in the world and asking questions and interacting and falling in love with the quantum world. So when you get that final battle, it was also very short. It takes place over one day, right? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Which is ridiculous that they spend literally just one day in the quantum world, meet all the characters, start a revolution and free the quantum world from 30 years of tyranny. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you could have spread it out a little more, give it like a week at least. Where they can interact with the world, fall in love with the quantum world, and then be uh, interested in fighting for it. Right. I would not be on board with that recommendation. Really? Because even though it was a two-hour movie, it felt so long. Like, it was kind of brutal towards the end there. And also, which as you know, I don't really fall asleep to movies at all. Especially not in theaters, but mm. I could feel my eyes getting tired. What time of day we were did you getting watch into? This? It wasn't even that late. I mean, it was Damn. in the evening, but it wasn't like a late showing. Like I've gone to showings where it's like eleven p.m. or something like that, and I'm and it was a two and a half hour movie. Like I remember for Nightmare Alley, I did that mm. um, for I think one of the avatars. I'm surprised you didn't fall asleep like a Nightmare Alley. Like, as interesting as Nightmare Alley is visually, I mean... I was very compelled by the film, so I was locked in for oh, this shouldn't film. have read the book. Yeah, that sucks. Um, it sucks that you didn't end up liking it as much as... I do like it, I did. but the book is just so fucking good. And you could... Like, the book is short enough that where you could adapt it to a screenplay pretty one-to-one. Mm. And not make not any the... changes. And they made pretty drastic changes, and it just made it not as good. Dang, I'll have to read that book then and see. It's just so it's, fucking good. It's even it's, a step up over that film, then wow. I think the thing that makes it good is there's perspective changes. It's not all from his perspective. Mm, gotcha. That makes it more exciting. But at any rate, yeah, I saw it. I think it was uh, like just a 7 p.m. showing. And again, it's only the two hours. So it's, it's like there's no reason why I should have been very tired. Although that week I was very busy and so exhausted. But... Even still, you would expect a film that's as attempting to be as vibrant and visually dazzling and everything's if, going if on at once, end, that it would keep me in. If you're going to end the film on a big battle between Kang's forces and the entire quantum world, you have to spend some time engaging with the culture of the quantum world. In the same way that you watch Black Panther, it ends with a big battle between all the different tribes. You at least explore the tribes and the culture as a whole throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So you can engage with and care about the characters who are fighting. I didn't really give a shit about the quantum world characters when Me they neither. were fighting. <laughs> Not at all. I didn't care that the one guy died. I didn't care that they were all risking their lives. There was zero stakes there. And I was like, you you can't end on a big battle if I don't give a shit about the characters. Very true. Also, the like only person that died was the headcanon guy. Yeah. And that was for like everyone. Like all of Ant-Man's group, that crew... Yeah, everyone goes out on talk about beating Kang pretty fucking easily. I know that was the other majors who was like, okay, we're we're building up the big bad here, and Ant Man, Ant Man, 
he's able to beat him up. Actually, not even Ant Man. The ants, just the, the ants. ants. They were able to just do the it. ants. And then Ant Man gives him like, well, Ant Man rocks his shit at the. Well, he rocks Ant Man's shit at the end, and then Hope comes and blasts him like five times, and then he hits the thing and dies. Yeah, and it's like come also on. So kind of absurd. So we'll get to that the whole like final battle thing, but in the lead up to it, honestly, I don't know if it because yeah, padding the length even more. Maybe cutting, maybe cutting boring exposition then, or repetitive exposition to get that time in. Maybe, yeah, they would have to have done a fundamental overhaul of like what they were spending time on because there were yeah. a lot of those like exposition dumps, but yeah, exploring that like quantum world, quantum realm world of the resistance fighters. I'm not sure how much more that would have been intriguing to me. I think Kang was a bad call for the villain. I would agree. It just they fundamentally don't seem to because they mesh spend, well. They spend so much time just building up Kang as a character, and that takes so much time out of the story. Well, but here's also the like most ludicrous part about that: they kill off this Kang, and so yeah. twice now we've had Kang introduced, and it's some variants. And then we get rid of him. So what is the point? We're building up this investment in a particular version of Kang, and then he gets killed off. And so... Yeah, which version not, of Kang like, are we supposed to care about? Are we supposed to be afraid of all the Kangs together? Yeah, like, which one is going to... Because certainly it's not going to be, like, a horde of Kangs that we're fighting in Kang Dynasty. There has to be one particular one that we latch onto, and we've been given two that are then discarded in the same project that they're introduced in so it it's like why did we spend all this time in ant-man and the wasp quantumania building up a kang that easily gets dealt with and then also that whole like hour that we spend learning about him and his time in the quantum realm and him it's just useless the scott like all of that is just all that wiped setup away. Is done yeah like the personal connections that that king had is now wiped away yeah. And again, they're trying to build up the idea of Kang and Kang being a conqueror. But when we have... You could do that a lot quicker. You don't need yeah. to spend as much time building up this one particular Kang just to kill him. Exactly. That being and said, it, though, the the flashbacks of Janet talking to, to Jonathan Majors and that whole dynamic between them, I did like those scenes. That is legitimately good. That was going to be one of the moments that I highlighted in my pro Ant-Man stance, I would have been like, yeah. that is legitimately good stuff. It was like, good. That is good drama. Those are great actors just sitting there in the quantum realm, just going at it, just like performing, just discussing. They were, yeah, Jonathan Majors. Figuring things out. And I was like, yes, that is what we need. As silly as a lot of the Kang stuff ended up being, Jonathan Majors did kill it. Yeah, I think so. My, that was also going to be a major point. We'd be like, John, the majors is incredible. I do think he's really good. Honestly, in Loki, I thought he was much better. Yeah. I think this version, obviously they're doing a different take on it, which is necessary. And I liked a lot of it, especially in the stuff where he's talking with Janet. But later on, as he's sort of unraveling and he's waxing poetic about all this stuff, it felt like, I mean, I was interested in it, but it also, it felt so disconnected from what everyone else was doing in the film. Like he was trying to be on this like Shakespearean level and everyone else is trying to be in a goofy science movie Ant-Man film. And yeah, so I wish they could that have matched just, that energy. Yeah, it was a little uh, rough and it sort of made him by comparison seem to be even more like over the top and 
goofy when he was meant to be serious and menacing and a legitimate threat. So they sort of, I don't know, they undercut what they're going for, I think. There were definitely scenes that worked, like the flashback scene. I think the the intimidation scene he has in the prison chambers, I think that worked well too. Mm -hmm. But when you get to that third act... And it's and it's Kang versus all the different forces, and they're just pretty much wiping his ass really yeah. easily. I mean, then he starts to seem really ridiculous. Like we built him up as the biggest villain we've seen so far. They've been hyping him up for years now, and for an hour into this movie, he's been billed as like this big bad of like you don't want to go near him. He's so evil. He's the most evil person you'll ever meet. And then he gets like maybe like a minute of going out and using his powers to kill quantum world people who just blip. They just go Mm -hmm. and they just disappear instead of actually like dying, dying. And it's not really that like intense or crazy. And then ants just come and beat him. Right. But also side note to that, his beams that he's using to blast those quantum realm people, why does he suddenly not have the same level of intensity when he's fighting Ant-Man and the rest of them? Like he's killing. I think his or... suit is broken. I think that was because remember he knocks him down with the beam, and then he goes to use it again, but the suit is broken, so he has to just use his fists. Mm, I meant before the ants come and take him away. Like there was oh, a moment where he's point. fighting Ant Man and the Wasp and all of them, right. but he still had the beams. So it's like, why isn't he just one shotting them? Good, good, good call. I don't know. Yeah. So that that's kind of rough. The other thing that I wanted to point out that I thought was at least somewhat interesting was the the approach they were trying to take with the whole ant family the ant fam Mm. i like that they have like these multiple generations like you get the first ant-man and wasp with hank and janet and you have their daughter hope and there's like a lot of tension there from them both being disappeared for a large portion of her childhood and then you have the same thing with scott and cassie Mm. and it's like these people that have missed out on a lot of important time in their child's life or somebody who's important to them and now they're all together trapped in this quantum realm and they're sort of still figuring all that out and finding a way to reconnect and truly be there for each other that is such a good entry point into this type of story yeah, and I feel like they went absolutely nowhere with it. They could have well, leaned into that so much, especially with Kang's like time powers. Oh yeah, like they could have done way more in terms of that idea of lost time and like yeah. the the mistakes and not negligence, but you know, just not being there really for your family either because you weren't able to because you're trapped in quantum realm or mm. something like that, or because you were distracted with your work. So things like that, I think, would have been compelling to dive deeper into. But it felt like a missed opportunity. So that was a little unfortunate. I felt like there wasn't enough setup before they get into the quantum realm to justify any real work being done. Like they could have done it. But I Mm -hmm. mean, you're in San Francisco for all of six minutes and then you're in the quantum realm. That's quick. I was I was shocked by how quick they have a scene where Scott Lang is walking and then does his book tour. And then he goes and he gets Cassie out of jail. And then they eat a pizza. And then they go downstairs and go into the quantum realm. I'm like, whoa, that was fast. Whoa. Mm -hmm. I was expecting like a 20, 30 minute setup of them being in San Francisco, setting up all of the character arcs, which is the responsible thing to do. And then creating that inciting action of them going to the quantum realm 
And then all of those character arcs get to continue now that there's a, a, a an inciting action to incite change in them as people, which is, you know, good writing. Uh, <laughs> Storytelling the, 101, yeah. It's the proper way to do things. But, I mean, if you want to try something new, go for it. Uh, it didn't work this time. It just yeah, didn't. Here's the other problem with that, though. You need to have the character arcs. Like, you do need yeah. to, yeah, spend that time at the beginning, give us the oh. ordinary world. And then you got to carry them arcs. through the rest of the movie, and there then, was nothing yeah, there. There needs to be an arc. Like, there needs to be change. Yeah. Or as they say... Scott, like, Scott was the only one who had a glimpse of a character arc, and it was him, like, trying to let go of Cassie and let her make choices to help people and, like, growing as a person who wants to help people instead of... I don't know. I don't even know what they're trying to do because they had the bit no, of him it, like. Yeah, it's it doesn't work. Like, I don't know what the arc was meant to be because there's not. Like, there's he, a bit of him like, oh, he's not doing anything now that the Avengers are done. He's just kind of floating around as Ant-Man. And then there's Cassie being like, you need to help people and you need to be willing to be that Avenger again. But it's like. I don't disagree with Scott. He says uh, he says, uh, I, I need to get you out of here. That's priority number one. You're an untrained civilian in this. Clearly hostile environment i need to get you out because i care about you and she's like no we need to stay and fight and at that point they know nothing about this culture this world this civilization they haven't built any of that into it so she really has no argument to stand on other than they're people and they need help right yeah i 100 percent agree with you there of yeah the responsible thing for scott to do is to get cassie out of there at all costs yeah and not it's the same thing as like in- uh something they don't know about like they don't know who those people are as you said they don't know it's the same the argument as in spider-man no way home where it's like spider-man doesn't know exactly. any of the consequences the exactly. but but they're like ignore the consequences somebody needs your help and that's your job as a superhero and it's like no don't ignore <laughs> the consequences don't exactly. do that it doesn't matter if they need your help you need to think about the consequences first that's what the major flaw of being a superhero is is that you want to help at all costs but sometimes you can't and that's the mm-hmm. flaw they have to address and then try to overcome. But you don't overcome it. You just fuck up. <laughs> yeah, that is the... And then everything magically works out your way. And that's the flaw of MCU so far. Right, exactly. This, that is the later films. The most egregious part of... No a lack of stakes, a lack of deliberation, internal deliberation from the hero's standpoint to actually critically think about the situation they're in. And instead they just be the hero and go guns a blazing into the fire, regardless of the consequences. But then they come out unscathed. So there's really no stakes anyway. Yeah, exactly. The, the whole bit there of like what Cassie was trying to do of being like, Hey, there's more work to be done. You need to still be stepping up, which by the way, I mean, the man can rest. I mean, there's no, yeah. In the room where they're eating the pizza, and he's like, yeah, I did save all your lives, by the way, and brought you all back from literally being dead because they're shitting on him for writing a book. I'm like, yeah, he fucking did do that. He (laughs) saved all three of your lives, like, and and billions, trillions of other lives. All, like, like, with a team, like, nearly died doing it. That's what I'm saying. Why are you shitting on this man? Give him a fucking break. Yeah, it's not even like resting on your laurels forever. I mean, just let them in, chill out, write a book. We haven't seen him since that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So he let him have a Baskin Robbins cake for God's sake. (laughs) Give him a fucking break. Exactly. So let him just chill out. And it's so it's weird that Cassie is 
trying to be like, oh, you're not stepping enough, you're not doing enough. Now, if they had if they had gone into a long thing of him literally doing nothing, like Thor in uh Infinity or in Endgame, where he's just like yeah. sitting on the couch playing video games and doing nothing with his life, then mm-hmm. you can make that argument of like, you're not even doing anything. Could you at least like do something? Like you're Ant Man. You got to get right. up and try and help people. They could have given him an arc that way. But no, he was like a legit hero. He was just taking a break, wrote a book. We have heard, we know nothing else of that in between time. And they're shitting on him. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And they're saying, yeah, because it's not like he was ever turning away or like turning a blind eye to anyone. And again, the way when they're in the quantum realm and she's framing it as that, it's like, again, you're like these people may need assistance in fighting against Kang, but also clearly Kang is an extremely dangerous person. Their yeah. goal is to get out and survive without letting Kang escape the quantum realm. Like that is priority number one. Like, yes, you want to help, but trying you to know help what? could end up doing much more damage to them and yeah. also to yourselves and also to you know everyone what? if Kang gets you know out. What? You know what would have been a good conflict for Scott? What's is that? if he, he is scared to be Ant-Man again because he's worried about, because he sees Tony Stark die. He sees all mm-hmm. these other people die in battle. And he's worried about dying and having Cassie be left alone again because she keeps getting left alone so often. That would have been an interesting character. And it could have gone along with Janet suffering from the trauma of having left her her family alone. And they could have connected over that. And now you could exactly. have threaded that in somewhere. Yeah, you could have fucking it, made a good fucking movie. And it would tie in with everything that's going on in terms of like sacrifice and what is being a hero and whatnot and the, the split duties of trying to be a caretaker for your family and being there you know for what them. I'm getting sick of and Brian, also what's that I'm getting sick of reviewing these MCU movies and then part of our reviews <laughs> is that we sit down for an hour them. and we rewrite them better <laughs> to be better, and in yeah. like an hour and a half yeah it is crazy how many times that's happened <laughs> it's pretty easy and like and like we're not even like Sure, we're not, we're not actually. Like, this we're is, not even really trying. Like this we're not is this on is a game. We're just coming just in like oh, home. taking what they give and then like giving them like moderate, mild feedback, and it's already miles better. Yeah, absolutely. And that's but, upsetting to do, <laughs> and upsetting to to to. It's just why am I? Why would I give so much energy to this this Marvel Cinematic Universe when they are giving no energy back? You have all these below the line workers who are putting everything into these movies who are working so hard to set up the lighting, to do all of the camera work, to set up all the rigging, to design all the sets and all the props, do all the special effects work. You have all these people working so hard, and the above-the-line workers and the executives don't have the goddamn common decency to try to make a good movie. And that (laughs) pisses me off. I hear you. I agree. They made an attempt, and it did not work, but, you know... Maybe we're just built different, Dylan. We can just come in. Are. Maybe Kevin Feige needs to just bring us on to be like story analyst. We need to be the next James like Gunn. Pass of each draft when it gets submitted, and we'll be like, mm, "Yeah, there's no arc here." Turns out Scott needs an arc. He's the main character. We need to have growth. Let's uh, let's try yeah. that again. We just give him our notes. <laughs> so yeah, in yeah. I'll be James Gunn, that, and then you'll be the other guy that goes. Uh, maybe not that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something else. Exactly. And then, then you you check my wildness, and then we create something good for the Marvel universe. Kevin Feige, hire us now. We need Do us. It. Do Go it. back through all of our MCU review episodes of the last year and listen to them, Kevin. 
Listen to us. Do a better job than your writing staff. Come on, man. It's just, I remember there was a quote that Kevin Feige said once. He said he didn't want to hire people who were fans of like big fans of Marvel comics because he didn't want the comics to get in the way of good storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so if you're not going to care about the comics and clearly the writers don't give a shit about good storytelling, who the fuck <laughs> are you hiring? True. Uh, Rick and Morty writers, apparently. That's you might as well the... hire people who are, care about the comics if you're going to not give a shit about the story. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Thanks ridiculous. For but yeah, to finish off that point that you're bringing up, the whole idea of him at the end about to sacrifice himself and staying in the quantum realm. Yeah. And that becomes much more potent if we have the character arc built around his fear of being a hero again, being pushed by his daughter to be yes. that hero because yes. he's capable of doing it. He should bear that responsibility even if it means she might not be able to see him anymore, but she'd be proud of right. having him as a father, even if he has to make that ultimate sacrifice. And then in the end, he does it, and he has to be like, well, I don't have to win. We just both have to lose, and then he destroys it, and then he's stuck. That would have been a much better line. Like, it was uh, already a good line, but it would have been an even much better line. Exactly, if it had Especially true weight set up with him it, saying, like, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose, because if I lose, yeah. you would lose me. Oh, my God. We're writing this movie right now, Ryan. <laughs> I know. I know. So, yeah, again, a lot of missed opportunities. And they had the, like, bare bones of it there. They had Cassie being that sort of, like, activist daughter, wanting Scott to step up and be more of a hero. They had that line at the end of, like, we just both have to lose. But, yeah, if they just gave more oomph to all of that, if they tied Raise it all together in a stronger arc, yeah, with much more consequence... That's actually lasting. That's another thing is like Scott and Hope are left in the quantum realm. And then a minute later, the portal just opens and then they're fine. And it's like, oh, okay. So it wasn't a loss at all either. Like you just, yeah, you took out one, you killed him. And then you got back to the home world. So yeah. you won. <laughs> so that was another, I know, just complete undercutting of what they could have been building up to be something legitimately compelling and satisfying and emotional, but Alas, it didn't happen. It didn't uh, fucking happen. Just as we're wrapping up here, any other final thoughts? I wanted to bring up Modoc. Yeah, thoughts on Modoc. Thought about that? Um, Positive or negative? Definitely a negative. Really? Yes, a major negative. I was going to, again, I was going to be, and I was like, this might be the tell if I'm like hardcore positive on Modoc, if I was going to do the pro Ant-Man stance, if you were truly against it and hating on it. But no, my true opinion is that Modoc just does not work. It's just a big whiff, swinging a miss. I'll be Did honest. You like though, it? I don't love it, but if you think about trying to actually do a live action Modoc mm-hmm. and really trying to make it work, if they try to take it seriously, it would just still be ridiculous. I don't disagree, but I think you have to have. Modoc himself be legitimately like trying to be a legitimate villain and the other characters can I spot their ridiculousness in there but Modoc yeah. can't also be like self-aware about how absurd he is yeah, I, I didn't like the, the issue he's just like I'm a dick yeah that whole thing I'm a it's dick. Like, Come on. I can't stop being a dick and then also yeah. talking about uh character arcs Modoc is the only character that has an arc and it's yeah. a terrible arc because she says you don't have to be a dick and then he says, oh, okay. And then in the next scene, goes and 
stops Kang. I had a thought when she said that, and I was like, it'd be really funny if he like attacked Kang and was like, I'm not a dick. And then he fucking did it. <laughs> he did and I was that. like, Jesus fucking Christ. What's even worse is that, I mean, I guess you could say he kind of went crazy, you know, turning into that thing and being Modoc for so long. But the whole end where he's just like, Scott, you and I were brothers and like it's played for comic relief. She kind of ruins his fucking character from the first movie. Makes right. him more ridiculous. And I'm like, he was actually a good villain in the first movie. Like, I thought he did a good job. I thought the character was well-written enough. Mm-hmm. They were good foils of one another. And for him to, like, have this weird moment where he just comes back and has this weird dialogue with him and with Hank, I just, I don't know. Didn't work. Yeah, I feel like, work. perhaps, if they made Modoc more of a threat, if like, I think it's not a terrible idea to make it Darren Cross. Mm-hmm. But if you made him more of a real threat and you made him more threatening and you made him actually kill people and you made him kill people that Scott cared about and made him really scary and then gave him a normal ending instead of a childish one. Yeah. Like if you had Kang pick on him the whole time and then he on his own decided he wanted to fight back. That's also true. You can, have, anymore. you can have Cassie and it, well, again, it would work if they were truly putting more thought into it, but having Cassie be someone who's, like empathetic and reaching out to someone who was like also in the first movie, like horrible to her, <laughs> but yeah, she's able to see through that and be like, no, like you can choose to be better. Like we can all be heroes. If you had that plus all the stuff of Kang, like actually being mean to MODOK, they have the one thing where he like pushes them yeah. against the wall. But if it was like abuses MODOK and shit, like, yeah. it, like, like in uh Lord of the Rings, how Sauron treats, not Sauron, how Solomon Solomon? Saruman. Saruman. God, Solomon. (laughs) How Saruman treats a worm tongue and shit like that. Then worm tongue stabs him. It's great. Exactly. So, yeah, if they had more time, I guess, just to develop that or made it less of just any time Modoc is on screen, it's a big old joke. Then it would have went better, I think. Although I do like the line. It is a good joke. I do like the line at the end when he's dying and he's like, I'm glad I could go out as an Avenger. And then Paul Rudd's just staring at him. like, well, sure, buddy. Sure. I did think that was funny. But yeah, it has moments. I do like how they build him up as so intense. Every single time he makes another appearance on screen and he has like the mask on, they do build him up to be a very intense villain. And then he lifts it up and they always go, holy shit. Yeah. What the fuck happened to you? Mm hmm. Yeah, overall. Yeah. Though, it's hard to make Modoc work live action. It's hard. Uh, yeah. And I think the attempt was there. It's just it's like everything else in this movie is it was a, a good try, bad execution. A little more effort and a little more thought put into it and it could have worked. I think Darren Cross as Modoc could have worked if there was more work put into it. And it could have worked in the story. Yeah, they would just would have had to make him less, less cartoonish and make him way more threatening and way more of an obstacle to beat, which I think is possible. It is also as well the effect that they did to like the George Lopez shark boy and lava girl thing Mm -hmm. like that effect also truly makes him look goofy. I think there's a better way to how, though, because that's how he looks in the comics. Like it's fairly accurate. Well, yeah, but there's I think there would be a better way because they just. Like, literally, they just stretched his face. Like, there would have had been a way to, I don't know, with better CGI to actually make, like, his features more pronounced. Because it looks like it's just, it's a screen that's over him, and then he stretched out over it. But if you had it to where his, like, facial features are bulging out over that uh, 
the frame, like the frame that's holding up his cranium. I think that would have been. So he looks like uh, so it was it like, still like the uh, the witch from Spirited Away, almost. Yeah, like a yeah, like a live action version of that. Again, it would maybe again that just, that just falls on more thought required. Yeah, it would it would take a lot more. The proportions effort, think, but it were a little. Better. You're right. It did look like they just stretched the, the screen. I think that was just the issue. The proportions seemed so so uniformly consistent. Yeah. Like too consistent for a creature that's supposed to just be a giant flying face. Exactly. It should have been a much bigger mouth and nose and eyes to a smaller face. Very true. Very, very true. So, yeah. Any other last minute thoughts? Um, I thought that the end credits, the imagery on the end credits, mm-hmm. as, as, as much as I appreciate special effects people who go out there and put in the work, especially with MCU who's so hard to work with, and it did look good. Like, the movie looked good, right? Sure. I thought, like, for the most part, there were some moments where it did flop. But for the most part, it, it was good and it worked. I think the end credit sequence of that, like, just, like, 2D color psychedelic imagery was way better than the rest of the movie. I fucking <laughs> loved it. When that started going on, they had just had, like, you watch all the all the post, like, all the credit sequences in all the Marvel movies because you have to to get to the post credit scene. I mean, they're all like outlandish and crazy and CGI again. And this was just like 2D color blotting with like very basic font text. And I was just, I don't know, the aesthetic of it was just thrilling and pleasing. And I really enjoyed watching it, like getting to that end. And I was like, man, this is great. I really wish they had started the movie off like this to to really, because de- they don't start movies, MCU movies with credits anymore. I don't know if they ever did. No, I mean, I was, if you think about like, was like a Spider-Man one, two and three type thing. Yeah. But if you think about that, it was such a good way to start the movie. It set the tone. It gave an overture and it, it got you excited for the movie. I mean, I love those openings to those movies, those those credit sequences with the webs. And I wish they did that in these Marvel movies because it's just set, it's like the same thing as having a cover to a comic book. It sets the tone and it gets everything gets you ready to read the rest of it. And I wish they did those title sequences in the beginning. And then at the very end, just did the normal rolling credits and then did one post credit scene at the very end of all of them. Right. I think that would be much better. But they want to push those exciting credits to the end. And normally I don't give a shit because normally they're normal. But these credits were fucking cool. It would have put me in such a good mood, in such a good tone at the beginning of the movie if I saw that first. It, I would have been like, this is awesome. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. This is going to be great. It would have been a spoiler to put Corey Stoll's name in there. Sure. Cause well, then you'd be like, I think he was well, in the trailer anyway. So was it really, they put Modoc. Yeah, I don't trailer? think it was a surprise. Modoc for sure was obvious. And I'm pretty sure they had his face revealed too, that it was. Corey oh, Stoll. I don't remember. Anyway, it just, it just would have set the tone better. I feel like if they had put those credit sequences in the front, they gave me 20 minutes in San Francisco, setting up storylines and character arcs. They continue those through with less Kang exposition and less Kang setup. And then more uh, exploration into the world of the quantum verse and the, the everyday people of the quantum verse. And then ended with that big battle where Kang can lose because we don't even know him that well. We don't care as much because he's just a variant. And then the people can win and we're excited for them to win because we do care about them because we know about them. It would have been a much better movie. There you go. That's my thought. okay, thoughts my on last... Bill Murray. Last thing. Thoughts on Bill Murray. He's barely uh, in it, but it's worth mentioning. I liked his entrance like the very moment he came out and then yeah. for the rest of it i was 
just it was not i was neutral on the rest of it i think it was weird it was as well good. that they had his character and janice character be a thing i thought that was pretty weird and i thought it was just a like weird thing to have happen bringing that discussion up multiple times yeah. But I mean, overall, yeah, it's not like he was bad or anything. And I did like his. I was just surprised because I haven't seen Bill Murray like really try to act since St. Vincent, which was like 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. Everything else has just been like little bits here and there. And like this was just another little bit, sure. But he's still like at his age. He's still play like he's. They brought Bill Murray and they put him in this wild outfit and a wild wig and then pitched him the idea of who the character is that he's playing. And how kind of silly it is for him to come in here for like one day of shooting and to play this like weird, like former resistance fighter turned uh, Lord villain who's like mm-hmm. a sort of like a like just a weird pitch for him to play this character. And I just I believe that he was the character like uh, he performed it well. And at no point did it seem like he was confused by the story like he was in it and he was committed to it. And I was surprised by like the level of commitment and. Like it wasn't anything special. He's only in it for five minutes, but I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was just going to be him being like a cameo, making a few jokes like Bill Murray jokes and then moving on. But he really played an actual character in the, in like in like the role of the movie. Right. And had an importance to it. And I guess I wish he could have been in it more, but it's fine. I don't really give that much of a shit. Yeah. Like if he was, I, mean, I, if he, was I knew he was going to commit that hard. It's the same thing, not not quite the same thing, but it's like the idea of watching Uncut Gems and seeing Kevin Garnett commit that hard to that role is just surprising. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pleasant surprise, that is. Right. So how many... Oh, I guess the post-credit scene. Thoughts on the post-credit scene? Mm, this was, it makes no sense. I really yeah. don't get what was going on. Like the... <laughs> my dad and I saw it together and... We're trying to discuss what it means. And honestly, it's the first time that I was at a loss for trying to explain exactly what was happening. Because I don't get... keep up with the MCU. Well, yeah, he watches all the films, but he's he's like a casual moviegoer. But I was trying to explain like who the Council of Kings are and how they connect with the different variants. And I kept being like, you know what? I honestly don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know how there's this full Council of Kings, even though the whole thing about the one who remains in loki is that they try and kill each other like they just try and conquer each other but why is this a fully functioning council of kings that are summoning even more kings for what why were they doing that why were they bringing everyone together i don't know maybe one big conquest i don't know what his goal is i don't know what that's what i'm saying the king that we had is the the king that we had and then the council of kings i don't know what either of their goals were or why they were fighting each other that too like what I know what, what was it quantum? that he did that got him exiled? What yeah. was his goal? Because he mentions wanting to clean up the timelines. So I'm like, okay, so does he want one solid timeline? Right. Which is the know. same like goal as the TVA and the same goal as he who remains. Mm-hmm. So they have the same goal as variants. But what what is the goal of the Council of Kings then? Are they just warmongers who just like to fight? I don't know, but again, who are I they fighting? No... It's supposed to be they're supposed to be fighting each other. Like each Kang is trying to conquer a different Kang's universe and wipe it know. out. I just so why are they all getting together? Why did they exile the one guy instead of just killing him? What happened to that guy's universe? Are the is it just groups of Kangs fighting other groups of Kangs? I don't know. I don't get I don't it. know. I don't so... I don't understand anything about any Kang's motivations. Not even he who remains that much. His whole idea was that he wanted to preserve the main timeline right 
That's why yeah. he created the TVA. Well, that one I understand because he was saying but, but there's a multiversal war. Then he said, then he said yeah, yeah, he said that there's a multiversal war. Wait till you see the Kangs. But then the Kang we get in this movie has the same goal as that Kang. So he also wants to preserve the timeline well, by wiping out timelines in the same mm, way that the TVA kind of does. Like he wipes out variances. I what guess. was his goal? I don't know. I think maybe that he's is gearing up for a multiversal war. Like what? Or no, he's getting revenge on the Kangs, I guess. That's what it was more. Yeah, he was like getting revenge on the council for exiling him. But also, then why was he exiled? Why are you getting revenge? Like, why is that your main motivation? If your motivation is meant to be creating a sacred timeline, which would require you to kill all those other kings. So why are you mad that they said, don't try and kill us and then exiled you? Shouldn't you still just be on your main goal of, well, they need to die because I need to make one timeline to avoid a multiversal war. But aren't you creating the multiversal war by trying to wage war against them and wipe them all out? But also, why are they all allied if it's supposed to be like a free-for-all war? I don't get it. Uh, I think the drink the ooze scene was good. And that's my final. Yeah, <laughs> I thought there was a weird cut in there because they do a whole bit where they drag him in and he's questioning where his daughter is. And then he sees her and she says she has red on her mouth. She goes, drink the ooze. And he says, drink the what? And then they cut. And I was like, what? I was like, there's a weird moment to cut there. That's my For opinion. Sure. But I, I did like the drink the ooze scene. But I think the yeah. The idea and I like the, the concept of there being an ooze that helps them translate words. That's I like that saying. as well. I thought that was a very inventive little workaround that they had. Okay, out of how many pim particles out of five are you giving this? Probably two and a half. Wow, there you go. I'm giving it a two. Wow. Two pim particles. Yeah, surprisingly, you enjoyed it more than I did. I think I did. I think I did like it more than you. I think it did make sense in our discussion that came through. Um, yeah. yeah. I had a little more fun pleased. with Modoc. I had a little more fun with the Kang moments where he got to be intense. And I had a lot of fun with Paul Rudd. Oh, and then the scene where like there's like the thousands of Paul Rudds and then the thousands of hopes. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I like the Baskin Robin Scott. That's what I said too. I said the return of Baskin Robin Scott. I did like that particularly. I love the bit where he he like grabs himself and he's like, go get him, bud. And it's Baskin Robbins and he helps him get up. (laughs) And then then the whole tower knocks down and he goes, sorry, man. And then he falls and dies. Yeah. It's pretty great. Rest in peace. I did think that was pretty cool. Although, yeah, that was the point in the film where I was like, I don't know what's happening. Why did they need Scott to do this to get the core? I was was a a little confused, but I was fine enough with the concept of it to just be okay with it existing because it looked visually cool enough. What upset me was that this is a very high level concept scene, right? And there's a lot of things going on with a lot of different Scots and it's, mm-hmm. and they're all, they all look the exact same except for the Baskin Robbins one. And yet I could follow the scene more clearly than some of the earlier scenes where it's just straight like dialogue and action in terms of like editing and the way it's shot. And I'm like, why, why am I able to follow this scene, which is so complicated and so odd, way clearer than just them talking in the cantina? Why is that happening? Because all of a sudden Mm -hmm. in the cantina scene, when the action starts, all the eye lines start getting messed up. All the cuts become weird. And I'm like, this is, this has become very messy. All the shots are a little too tight on the actors. There's no good wide angle shots to really open up the space to let it breathe so I can understand what's happening. Right. And then in and then in the in this scene that's so complicated, I see it so clearly and it's fine and I get it. And I get what's happening. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. Since that I was, was like, probably more 
prevised since they had a lot of CGI stuff in there. Yeah, I suppose it is the battle between actually shooting things in person and then CGI elements. And I guess in the CGI elements, you have such control over how it looks that it'd be hard to mess up those fundamentals of right. eye lines and cutting then and things like that. Yeah, Scott isn't actually there, or Paul Rudd isn't actually there with thousands of himself, so you can just but still, bro, play around with on. populating the frame with however many Scots you need and make how sure that they're be, looking the same way. and be the that? MCU, have so much funding, and then still mess up basic concepts like getting the eye lines right, getting the 180 rule right, having logical cuts in your action scenes how do you mess up fundamentals like that because it gets too big and too unruly and then things just slip and slide and fall away and it becomes a mess it's ridiculous it is but there we go so 2.5 from you a two from me yep and that is all the time we have if you'd like to give your thoughts on the show you can email us at the box office show pod at gmail.com our main title theme for the show is sundown by joseph mcdade if you like the show, please give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to, and be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your week.